Hey friends, you're listening to Go Home Bobber You're Drunk, an irreverent media podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Go Home Bible. You're drunk, the podcast where we talk about the Bible uh, with a drink in hand and our, you know, minds not in evangelical land. My name is Justin. I am uh, one of your hosts. I graduated from seminary. I was a pastor for a while and now I'm not. And now I do a podcast that looks at the Bible in fun ways. And, you know, we have a good time with it. I have a host that is across the country. Yeah. Hi. I'm Tori. Yeah. I was, I also grew up evangelical, wasn't a pastor, although I did preach because we didn't go to one of those churches. And yeah, I didn't go to school at all, but I did read a lot of the Bible and I memorized large chunks of it. So I feel very, very strongly about this particular book and making fun of it because it was, it was abusive. Oh, fuck. Okay, I'm going to tell a story. Oh, go for it. Tell this story. is like, this is, this, this is where we are. Yeah. And now I can't, of course, I can't remember where I lost this. Anyway, but I started listening to, for some reason, I went to search for a podcast. I was searching for Unfucking the Republic. And one of the first like suggestions that came up was like Mark and Grace Driscoll's podcast. Uh, excuse me? Mm-hmm. Right? So I was like... I was just like, I am morbidly curious to know what is going on in this corner of, of the internet. Cause I used, I used to go to Marzell. So anyway, I was like, I had to run a bunch of errands like on foot. And so I was like, well, I got some time. I'm going to, I'm going to listen to some of this. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're talking about marriage. That man is not qualified to give marriage advice to anybody, no. including, including himself. <laughs> Like he's very bad at it. He's just incredibly abusive. Yeah. But frankly, like the podcast sort of seemed like a whole lot of nothing. It was very bizarre. It was like Satan's trying. Oh God. Now that I'm thinking about it, this is actually horrifying. So they're like, Mark is talking about how Satan didn't tempt Adam until after he was married. (laughs) Jesus Christ. But then he's like, most people think that it, most people think that there are two people in a marriage. And then if you're married, there's a third person in your marriage. Obviously it's Jesus. It's Jesus. Leave, room, leave room for the Holy spirit. Leave room for a third. <laughs> but this school says there are actually four people. in a marriage. Oh, uh-huh. It's the husband, the wife, because obviously they're straight and Jesus and Satan. Oh, Satan's uh-huh. in there too. Satan's nice. in there too. Sounds like a I mean, good time. Honestly, I, yeah, that'd be more fun. <laughs> but 
Oh man, the two of them together be fireworks. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I, I I took I took a few moments out of my day to listen to Mark Driscoll try to tell people how to be good dads and husbands while being, you know, a well-documented abuser himself. And and this is this is what we do. This is what <laughs> this is what we do. Mm-hmm. Things are going great. But what we want to do today is it's Valentine's season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I we were going to do couples of the Bible, but now I really want to do like quadruples of the Bible now. <laughs> talk about this. Oh, man. Does somebody in the Bible get to fuck Satan? I missed I, that story. I, I don't think so. I don't think so. But who knows? I, you know, when you said the, when you talked about, you know, Jesus and Satan being there, it made me, it remembered, reminded me, sorry, of a Twin Temple song. Oh, I don't know if you've heard of Twin Temple, but they are a satanic doo-wop band. It, seriously, folks, you need to check out Twin Temple. And they have they have a song called Lucifer My Love. And you know <laughs> you've posted that at least yeah, once. Yeah, I think I have, yes. Anyway, it just talks about how you're a much better kisser than Jesus. And mm. yeah, they I think their newest because, album is called oh. Let's Have a Satanic Orgy. <laughs> but they're a doo-wop That's band, so, so it's great. like these 60s like you know, like prom songs, but it's about loving the devil and <laughs> brings me a lot of delight. So if you, if you need to set the tone this Valentine's day, I think twin temple might be a good, might be the one, might be the one. So we're going to talk about uh, David and Jonathan today, uh, a little mm-hmm. later in the pod, but we wanted to do uh, something else, you know, in our, this week in evangelicalism and what could be more romantic than a bonfire. <laughs> and no. Apparently, you know, evangelicals think the same thing because they're back to their old habits of, of burning materials. I, I don't know if any of you remember youth group when they would ask mm. you to come bring your CDs or whatever. Well, apparently Pastor Greg Locke in Old Tennessee is uh, taking the youth group thing and bringing it into adult church and mm. asking his people to burn all their witchcraft materials. Like Harry, <laughs> Potter, Harry Potter and Twilight being chief among them. The, the see the problem is like that's not witchcraft material like he's he's saying you need to burn down all the forests <laughs> that's what he's saying yeah. yeah so it is funny i remember when harry potter was around like I, there are people that would tell me with a straight face that like harry potter that jake rowling or, or she who must not be named i suppose amongst mm-hmm. some people listening to this podcast that she who must not be named would research actual spells that you could do to you- to for the book and then, of course, that immediately actual, made me actual like, spells that you could do. Yeah, I was like that. Im- I immediately went to Barnes and Noble and got the source, <laughs> the sorcerer's stone, nice. uh, and and was and enjoyed the book, but was disappointed that <laughs> when I waved a stick around and said "Wingardium Leviosa," nothing, nothing happened. happened. It's always so funny to me that when people come up to you and are like, "These things have power." Yeah. Oh, they do. Oh, tell me about it. It's like, 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 yeah. I mean, just the number six, six, six. I'm like, you're, you're the ones being witchy because you have all of these very weird practices and like phobias and obsessions mm-hmm. and fetishes. So, you know, that's what they're doing. So this was a great sentence that I'm going to, we're going to break apart that uh, Pastor Egg said, you know, cause he talked about, you know, we have a constitutional right and a biblical right to do what we're doing here tonight. We have a burn permit, but even without one, a church 
so they got a burn permit ahead of time that's nice but even without one a church has a religious right to burn occultic materials that they deem are a threat to their religious rights and freedoms and belief system please make this make sense you're taking away people's books is that's the proof that you're the you're the good guys and you have a you have a constant i don't know it's people are very strange like is that is that really what we're going with right now yeah Yeah, we can burn anything that we deem to be occultic because we have a right to do so don't need a burn permit we can just do it it says so in the bible in the constitution (laughs) that is the bible article 10 it says we can burn whatever we churches can burn whatever they want like i don't uh, know just make it make sense i'm sure it was a romantic event though i'm sure well the churches can technically burn whatever they want i suppose but yeah. like saying other other religions existing is like a threat to your religion i mean i feel like that's pretty explicitly stated there you know, it's funny because he's saying, you know, bring your Twilight books and movies. That mess is full of spells, demonism, shape-shifting, and occultism. And then he's like... He's, but he's you're saying people, it's real then. Yeah, like you're, you're the one saying it's real. saying what's happening is real. He's like, bring your healing crystals, your idol statues. Like, are, if people are going to their, your church, Senior Greg, like, <laughs> like, they probably don't have idol statues. I'm guessing. Oh, I, you know, but it's probably, it's probably just like random statuary that people bought when they were in Mexico or whatever. Some it's teenager probably bought, brought like his bust of Thor, you know, Marvel store or something thinking it was a cult materials or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, That's what, oh God. Yeah. You know, this book burning comes kind of right on the tail end of the, you know, the move to ban you know, various materials in Tennessee and a lot of Southern states, actually, the graphic novel Mouse, which is about Polish Jews experience, you know, after the Holocaust. And, you know, there's been legislation in Florida and several others are they're trying to pass legislation to to ban various books and ban educational materials that would honestly, at the at the end of the day, the criteria seems to be anything that would make a white person feel bad. So Anything we deem is witchcraft is witchcraft. Anything we deem as racist against us is racist against us. Mm-hmm. And it, we need to burn it. And I, I seem to remember saying that, you know, when I was growing up that, you know, yeah, Christians and, and freedom loving Americans are definitely the kinds of people that burn books. Was this what you got, Tori? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, that was communists. It was communists. Oh, oh it was the communists that did that. And sometimes yeah. the Nazis, depending, the Nazis. right? But yeah, no, the good guys. They think it's important for you to be able to have access to whatever you want to read because you get to decide for yourself, Mm -hmm. except when the other team is winning, we think, then we're Mm -hmm. going to say no more rights for you. Like we're banning, we're banning books. Yeah. So it's just, it feels like it's a bit of a, of a mess and it's the flip-flop that they did with Obama and Trump. It's the exact same thing. They, they continue to flip-flop and continue to, you know, kind of play both sides of the coin. And I saw something, or I don't know if it was a TikTok or if it was something I read. It, the internet blurs together in my brain sometimes. Mm-hmm. But someone was saying that they were pointing out that, that propaganda, right-wing propaganda in this country, you know, I, it's not just about getting information or misinformation out. It is about exhausting you and... 
I don't know if this is part of a larger strategy, but I do feel like our like desperate attempts to try to make sense of them Mm -hmm. are exhausting. And sometimes I wonder if that's the point. I wonder if they're like, okay, we have made a huge stink about how we need to have all the information free. And tomorrow we're going to start burning books. Yes. And the next day we're going to have a protest about, you know, my body, my choice. And then the day after that, we're going to go to an abortion clinic and we're going to say, you don't have rights. And so it's just like every other day, it is this contradictory message that doesn't make sense. And sometimes I wonder if it's just this, like, we're trying to exhaust you. (laughs) Like you will not make sense of us because we are intentionally not making sense. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. Because after a while, it's like, there is no moral foundation here. There is no consistent ethic. Other mm-hmm. than just ridiculous chaos. Right. My gosh. Yeah. There's, I don't, I, don't, I don't know that I feel like they are doing it on purpose. There is my, what term am I thinking of? Contradictory desires. Mm-hmm. So some Freudian idea, but yeah, the people, I mean, everyone really, we kind of hold these conflicting viewpoints, but most of ours are not are not things we're running around and saying, I think that that might be the difference. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of projection too. For sure. It's interesting that they railed for eight years that Obama was a fascist and Obama was Hitler. (laughs) and Obama was, you know, all these things. And then they elect the most fascist president, at least of my lifetime. Yeah. Without irony. And, And so, yeah, it's, you know, like you want to burn books in your church. I mean, you can legally do that, but right. it, it only has as much power as you give it. Absolutely. And even then it doesn't have a lot of power because I really wanted to levitate things. Mm-hmm. And apparently that didn't work. Yeah, maybe. Oh, yeah. Maybe it doesn't have any power. Maybe that doesn't have any power at all. Except just in their imagination. Yeah, that's true. They're very, they have to have something to be scared of. So that's what evangelicals are doing. They're burning books and uh, trying to get books out of schools. So I would suggest buying these books and then putting them in free little libraries and maybe giving them to kids, maybe giving them to kids in your neighborhood. (laughs) Uh, So that is the way we will win. We'll be the ones that give out books. Uh Uh-huh. Hey, look at that. Uh, So we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to get to some of the other stuff that's going on. And then we'll talk about David and Jonathan, uh, the Bible's greatest couple. All right. And we're back. Uh, thanks for listening to the ads, folks. Just before we move on, we want to talk about the tweet of the week. The tweet of the week is, you know, Tori and I sharing just fun tweets, interesting thoughts, things that amused us on the internet because we are extremely online. And you know, we want to highlight people that we like and we think are cool. So, uh, Tori, do you want to go first for our tweet of the week? Sure. I See, my favorite tweets are generally in like replies they're generally in the replies not the original tweet yeah yeah so anyway this first tweet because i have to the reply is what's good but the first tweet is from the hill which ew but they're just talking about this exchange between a reporter and someone at the state department uh about this war thing that they're trying to get started anyway so the reporter goes it's an action that you say they have taken but you have shown no evidence to confirm confirm that is this like crisis actors? Really? This is like Alex Jones territory you're getting into now. 
because they're they're saying that there are reasons for us to go to war which is bullshit anyway um so one of the replies <laughs> guy one it's gonna rain tomorrow guy two how do you know guy one because i know where did you guy two where'd you get your info can you show me guy one i'm sorry you don't like the news of rain guy two it's not the rain i just want to know how do you know guy one because i know what do you want <laughs> Uh, nice. Like, well, yeah, I'm like, because I said so, because yeah. that's what it does. That's what tomorrow does. It rains. It just rains. It does that. My tweet of the week was from uh, Melissa Flora Bixler. She's great, and you should follow her. She was kind of doing another, like, back and forth thing. And as she said, the epistle says, I don't allow women to teach. And then them, them being probably conservatives or something. Mm, mm-hmm. Aha, women can never teach or preach anywhere for all eternity. Ah. And then she says, epistle, don't get married. Them, let us encourage marriage and have marriage conference, books and speakers. And, you know, and then she replied later on, uh, but Melissa, that was for a particular community anticipating the end times. And we all know the world is different. We also have many other different teachings on marriage. And she's like, sit with it. And so it, 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 it amuses me. Yes, and I think, I yes. think it's funny that, yeah, like most of the New Testament is single guys encouraging people to not get married. And <laughs> like, don't do it. It's a trap. It's a trap. And yet, and yet without irony, you know, pastors will say, you know, we're going to have a 12 week series on marriage, you know, because caring for the poor is a distraction from the gospel or something. And <laughs> Oh, wow. I never thought about that. I find it. I find it funny that they're obsessed with marriage, even though their book is not so much. That was my tweet of the week. So follow follow Melissa or follow the, not the hill, but don't follow the hill, follow Mm -hmm. the hill, but random replies to the hill are (laughs) amusing to us while they get dragged. Just read for filth. We do have a new youth pastor. Uh, which is exciting. This is exciting. Very excited for this year faster. And this is going to be Kitty. Thank you so much for your support of the podcast. And you've joined our new rank of youth pastors. Mm-hmm. And Tori is going to randomly look in the Bible, the Holy Writ. I can see it now. And just waiting for the Lord is. to uh, lead me to a verse. Yeah. This is this is just the thing that I do now. I just waiting upon the Lord, mm-hmm. I guess. Anyway, let's Your see long here. Long wait for a train that doesn't come. Oh goodness. Okay, so we are in Ezekiel 21, 26. Thus says the Lord, remove the turban and take off the crown. Things shall not remain as they are. Exalt that which is low and bring low that which is exalted. There you so go. kitty. Enjoy that forever. It's Enjoy yours. That. You nice. can you can tell Jesus I said so. Yeah, it's Ezekiel 21, 26. Man, that's okay. It's cool. Take off the turban. I mean, you gotta. And, and rejoice. I'm there for it. <laughs> Me too. Thank you so much for that. Uh, for mm. your support. If mm-hmm. you would like to support us, please head to patreon.com slash go home bible. Uh, you get early episodes, access to an ad-free feed, occasional video podcasts of us mm-hmm. and other things like that if you can't do that uh we would love if you could give us a five-star review on wherever you get your podcasts and that helps out the show visibility and whatnot 
good times. So now David and Jonathan, we want to talk about them in our great couples of the Bible series. <laughs> as, as I drag like evangelicals are having a marriage series, we're doing a series on great couples of the Bible for February. This is going to come out right before Valentine's Day. Um, and, you know, David and Jonathan is difficult to cover because it's not like there's not like was... one chapter of the Bible that's like it's the like story the of story David. Of da- yeah. It, you know, it is a it is a book spanning epic love story and first and second Samuel. Uh, we just want to kind of talk a little bit about this story and how people interpret it and whether or not we'll we'll get to the bottom of whether or not David and Jonathan were a, were couple? Act, were a couple or not. Oh, okay. cool. It's it's I mean, I remember feeling like it was a little weird as a kid. I was kind of like, hmm, that's strange. Guess that's what we're doing but yeah i don't know they were just like they were just really good friends yeah it, it's it's interesting so you maybe back up for those that maybe didn't grow up in church and happened to be to be listening to this podcast david and david you know david and david and goliath it's a pretty well-known cultural story you know shortly after david kills goliath this is in first samuel 17 is where david kills goliath big story stone kills him, cuts off his head, you know, so he's like dragging this giant's head around and Mm -hmm. he takes it before the king, King Saul. And starting in 19, Saul told his son, Jonathan and all his servants, sorry, not that, skipped ahead there in 18. uh, So David had finished talking with Saul. We don't really know what he said necessarily other than, you know, I'm your servant or something. So Jonathan, David, like right after that, so David talks to Saul and then Jonathan and David became bound together in close friendship, which mm. the Hebrew is really the soul of Jonathan was bound with the soul of David. I mean, that, that, that sounds like, that sounds like what, what Paul said marriage was. No, it was God. One flesh. Yeah. One flesh. Yeah. And it's interesting because there's not any indication that David did much talking with Jonathan mm-hmm. before this. So it's almost like, you know, that you saw him like, ooh, that seems like someone I should be friends with. <laughs> I would like to platonically get to know you. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah, they had a very I mean okay, can I just can I just say too that like while I do think that this story is is great, the like when you're in church, they are constantly talking about like you have to be this like strong, manly dude, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like no close friendships or whatever, because, you know, except with your wife, you can be friends with your wife and nobody else. But then it then it's like, yeah, no, they were just friends. Like, okay, if this was just two dudes in your church, would you be like, yeah, they're just friends? Yeah. And it's interesting because David is depicted as this badass. Like that is uh, at least, well, I should say in the evangelical struggles I ran in. You know, yes. David was this badass, manly man, shepherd, warrior, you know, like shepherd, warrior, king, whatever, worked with his hands, oh bedded all kinds of women, you know, like just this, like, you know, he was a manly man. But mm-hmm. then you get to this relationship with Jonathan, which even if it was just platonic, was incredibly this is described as incredibly intimate. Definitely, you know, it, if men were this intimate today rumors would be going around that they were gay like that's you know that's how i imagine it so even if it was just platonic 
and it, it may have been i don't think the bible gives us a smoking gun necessarily either way but, yeah but it's it is interesting that he was so close and so wrapped up with this man and so yeah intimate with him that i think the friendship on its own even if it wasn't sexual is a beautiful thing and mm -hmm. very much subverts this masculine ideal that we were these individual islands so like even just right there not even going into the homoerotic portions of it it subverts evangelical ideas of manliness right off yeah the well and like the bible says that david was like a scrawny little guy he was like the redheaded stepchild essentially mm -hmm. and yeah they're like oh david he's so strong you know how shepherds are sitting around with their harps all day uh-huh just hanging out with one guy friend specifically <laughs> whose soul is bound with his your soul it's again like literally was, your soulmate if it was kyle and tim that wouldn't fly just imagine going into church telling the pastor like our souls are bound together yeah i met this guy he was talking with my dad and we locked eyes and I swear, like my soul was bound to him and, and, and my love for him is like better than my, the love for my wife. Yeah. Okay, bud. Yeah. Like you're trying to say a few things there. Yeah. You're very much not talking about having sex with this man. <laughs> like I, I had a friend of mine, I, you know, that I was talking about David and Jonathan with, this was a while back. I mean, you know, we, we were kind of exchanging back and forth the different things that David and Jonathan said to each other. And he was like, if I'm saying that to a guy, I'm giving him a blowjob. Like, like that's like, that's what's happening. There's not, you know, there's not some kind of intimate that level of intimacy is it's yeah, I don't think they're just friends, but maybe they were never know. So how did your church get around this? Like, we're going to go more into it. But just kind of the general relationship, how did it get around their relationship? Yeah, I mean, I think it was just like the, oh, they were just, they were buddies. They were close friends and they, you know, spent time together doing war shit for Jonathan's dad. But David wasn't doing the war shit. He was, he was playing, playing the harp. So again, super masculine instrument. Don't know if you know. Harps are known for being masculine. David did plenty of war shit. But he oh, also that's was true. Like, he was also like doing, you know, playing the harp for Jonathan's dad and also running from Jonathan's dad when he would get mad at him. Yep. And then at one point going undercover pretending he was insane, which is really cool, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's a great way to do it. Just saying. But yeah, no, it just I think we just didn't address it. Honestly, I think we just they were buds. There were and there. I remember there were sermons about David and Jonathan being buds, and I think that the I think that the point of the sermon. I'm not sure, but I feel like the point of the sermon was have good friends, men, because mm -hmm. apparently men in our culture are somewhat averse to friends. Apparently, we yeah. didn't. It just it just wasn't a thing. I was told that you had a dirty mind if you thought that they were gay. Like, how would you, you know, like, you're just, you're, you have a dirty mind to think that two men can't be that close and not have sex. Like, it's, it's, you're dirty. Wow. That's, yeah, yeah, that's, that's pretty intense. Yeah. So it's, it's your fault. It's not the Bible's fault. Mm. The Bible is clear, Justin. Yeah. The Bible is clear. So, yeah. So, you know, David meets Jonathan and they hit it off and they're best buds. Maybe more than that. 
but you know their souls became entwined and king saul's getting big mad about it like he's big mad that david is hot shit after killing goliath and i think he's big mad that his son is maybe having sex with him and so you know they kind of go on and then then Saul's like, I'm going to kill Jonathan or not kill Jonathan. I'm going to kill David. And Jonathan's like, oh, please don't kill my buddy. Saul's like, okay, I won't. And then he's like, but actually, haha, I am going to kill him. There's like an assassination attempt, you know, because like, I don't know. Anyway, it it gets really complicated. We're trying to, I'm just trying to just focus on the David and Jonathan parts. Like David's life is messed up. And Saul, (laughs) Saul is a textbook example of why you don't pick a king based solely upon their height like who's the tallest guy in the room that guy's gonna be our king george washington that was the one time that worked out yeah it off that one time he's a tall guy certainly certainly he's of upstanding moral character too yeah i mean tall guys are you know you don't grow that tall without being a good guy (laughs) having a lot of personal integrity god only blesses you with that kind of height Oh no! To be a leader. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, Saul, I think, has mental health issues. Yeah, I think that's pretty clear. And you know, and David and Jonathan, it really stresses them out. And they have these secret meeting places that they go to, (laughs) and you know, where they send messages back and forth to each other, and because you know that happens. There's also an interesting incident about where Saul kind of like takes a dig at Jonathan because he's so Mm -hmm. close to David. Yeah, he's like, oh, I want to I want to kill David. And then well, maybe Jonathan's like, hey, maybe maybe you don't kill David because, you know, we're friends. (laughs) You know, and this is for Samuel 2030, you know. Saul became angry with Jonathan and said to him, you stupid traitor. And actually, my Bible has a footnote that says it's be better rendered you stupid son of a bitch but (laughs) which i find it funny that there's a footnote in the bible that says the sentiments are best expressed of the hebrews you stupid son of a bitch however sensitivity to the various public formats in which the bible is read (laughs) has led us to translate it brother stupid traitor (laughs) i just find that hilarious stupid (laughs) traitor so you stupid son of a bitch is what he's saying to his son don't you realize that your own dis- to your own disgrace and to the disgrace of your mother's nakedness that you have chosen this son of jesse and i think there's a couple ways you could read this you could say like you've chosen this son of jesse over me right but the like the level of the language and the like the shame of it and like you're bringing shame mm. upon your mother you're bringing shame mm. upon you know and your mother's nakedness could be like her legacy as someone who bears children you know there's a couple different there's a couple different ways you can kind of read that i kind of looked it up a couple times to refresh my memory and it was again one of those like the the true meaning of the hebrew phase is unclear but you are a disgrace and so you know it's, it's one of those things that's like if you want it to be him kind of making a backhanded comment about their homosexual relationship you can make it that mm-hmm. if you want to make it something else you can what, what's your read on that Tori? Well, I think that it's pretty similar on, um, in terms of how it kind of gets broken down. Right. I I mean, yeah. Cause like, you're a bad person for asking, not allowed to ask 
like, Hey, like what kind of a relationship is this? Right. And then again, it was like preached about in church and like, Hey, you should have a good song. But there were no, there were zero relationships like this in church ever, which is in, you know, again, like that kind of bifurcated response. (laughs) David is like this manly guy. And also he's kind of, you know, he's a little bit of a softy and he has this very, very close friendship and none of the guys at church would even aspire to this kind of friendship that David and Jonathan have. Like that's too far for them. Yeah. I don't like, there's not many men's ministries called like Jonathan's love or something (laughs) (laughs) where it's like, we teach men how to be intimate with each other. Okay. You know, like it's, it's it's not there. So I just find that interesting. And yeah. And so there's this like, so Jonathan's being disgraced and he's, Again, like, why is I'm trying to think of character motivations, and it's hard to do with the Bible because Mm -hmm. character motivations are hard. But from the word go, almost love at first sight, Jonathan is siding with David over his father over and over again. And, you know, maybe they were good friends, but it's like there seems to be a level of commitment there. That's yeah, that's a good point. Maybe more than just this is my bud. And, you know, I think evangelicals and my, you know, was like that Jonathan recognized that David was the true king or something, you know, uh-huh. but yeah. like, maybe, maybe you just thought he was hot or, or he just thought he was hot. Like it, sometimes I feel like the, the motivations they assign to Jonathan to get around it are m- more far-fetched than, <laughs> than what it seems to be right on the surface. Uh, yeah, that's a really, really good point. Thinking about just like the the family dynamics. Not that I know anything super specific about that particular time in in you know the ancient Near East, but yeah, like to choose somebody else over your father, like that that was a big deal. Like that wasn't you know, and to do it over and over again. Like yeah, I think that in some some times and spaces that absolutely would have been an insult considered an insult by your child from your child so Saul's big mad and he keeps trying to kill David unsuccessfully for like 15 more chapters you just chase him around who was it I don't who was it on Twitter that said that like this this that that part of the Bible is just like it's like a little cartoon (laughs) because they're just (laughs) running from place to place to place and just happen to be missing each other yeah, it's like that uh, that old timey like ring ding 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 ding. Yep, yep, like, yep. <laughs> where they're just kind of going back and forth, and you know, fall, Saul falls asleep, and David like cuts off a bit of his robe. Yep, like, the, oh gosh, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. And and Jonathan has warned him about this. They did this, you know. I mean, very cute little you know ploy with these arrows. Like, oh, if I shoot the arrow over here, that means you need to run away. Right. And then they didn't even use it. Their little code that they came up with. Yeah. Like hide, hide in our hiding spot. And I'll go out and shoot arrows there. And yeah. So, and so David runs away and honestly, they, they kind of see each other and they, they pledge loyalty. You know, Jonathan pledges his loyalty to David, like, and these very overt ways. And then Mm -hmm. they kind of part ways at that point. They don't see each other again. And it's, it's quite sad. And Jonathan dies because his dad was an idiot and got into a battle he shouldn't have gotten into. And then David learns of it. He has this huge lament, breaks out into song. 
you know, and that's where the kind of the famous, you know, I grieve over you, my brother, Jonathan, you were very dear to me. Your love was more special to me than the love of women. That's yeah. There's no way that that guy's straight. I'm sorry. Like, just give me one, one white guy who said that seriously, sincerely to his male friend, just one in, in, in history. I don't think, I don't think that happened. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know that unless there is a sexual component to the relationship, I just don't. That makes no sense. And maybe I'm just too horny. Like maybe we're both too horny to do this justice, Tori. Like we just can't imagine loving someone that much or not. But I, I mean, I I I can't I can imagine, imagine it. it. But it's it's more just like the like why would you say that publicly? Put this in this poem, and mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Not, and it and it just be hey, we were buds, the bestest of of friends, and and that's kind of their story. And it's it's interesting. Like and a lot of ancient Jewish sources and older Christian sources do kind of say like this wasn't homosexual. It's really mm-hmm. not until we get to like the Middle Ages and there's a lot of more homoerotic art. And, you know, I think to skirt the legal requirement of you're not allowed to paint homoerotic art. <laughs> like, well, this is a biblical picture of Jonathan and David. <laughs> uh, In the Bible, it, I can paint yeah. it. Yeah. King James of the King James Bible, you know, gay King James. You know, he used the friendship of Jonathan and david to make excuses for all of his various male lovers oh my gosh i i think that like as a friend thing like david and jonathan's friendship seems like something that could be kind of aspirational for the men folk mm-hmm. you know i mean I, I don't know but it's something to think about like if it's in the bible and they're straight like you shouldn't they be trying to the men of the church be trying to emulate them and this this is why toxic masculinity is bad for men as well. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the sense that, you know, in toxic masculinity and American masculinity, I'll just say mm-hmm. that because it's kind mm-hmm. of the same. The worst thing that can be said of you is that you're gay or that you're effeminate. Yeah. So, you know, speaking as someone that grew up in that, the like you're constantly on guard not to get close to your male friends. Oh, yeah. Like you know, and I remember sitting in restaurants, you know, as a teenager and even in college, like with, you know, just one other male friend of mine and thinking like, I hope no one thinks we're gay. <laughs> and this is when I was oh, an evangelical. No. Like now I don't yeah. care. Like, right, right. I, you know, someone thinks we're gay. But, you know, then it's like there is that fear. And so you subconsciously or consciously you're putting up walls between yourself and your male friends not to get too close. Even even though in the scripture, again, even if you're not going to make this homoerotic, you have this picture of someone who was objectively masculine in the sense that they were fighting fights and winning battles and, you know, stuff like that. It's still making space to be artistic, to speak very lovingly about their male friend. So lovingly that looking back now, we're like, mm, maybe they were gay, but that's like you just you don't that's not taught in evangelicalism and that's mm-hmm. not taught in toxic masculinity to but essentially be so close to your male friends people think you're gay um <laughs> would be the sermon <laughs> top point and that's not taught at all it isn't but it's kind of beautiful yeah it, it, i think it is and i yeah. i will say the quality of my relationships with men in my life got much better once i realized it wouldn't be a big deal if people thought I was gay and that's that's a good thing to be close to somebody 
Absolutely. So yeah. So yeah, we definitely are like snicker snicker. They were probably gay, but I do think in in making the serious point of this is a very close male friendship in the Bible, mm-hmm. and I think it would be good for conservative men to have to look at that and see all the walls that they put up and all of the guards they put up and you know the manliest man in the bible people think he's gay <laughs> or bi probably yeah and like and not for no reason not, not for no just, reason like, spreading rumors pretty sure when you're like this dude's love was better than the love of women you're spreading the rumor that you're bi <laughs> all on your own so and and i also think too to me and and i'm not i'm not lgbtq I think you, you, you could definitely speak to this more authoritatively than me. But I also think on another level, it doesn't matter whether David and Jonathan were actually gay or not. Yeah. I think that queer folk as well can look at this as a positive relationship of two people of the same sex that were intimate and tender with each other. And that's a good thing. A lot of, mm-hmm. well, especially older Im- imagery of, you know, homosexuality was was violent and rapey. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, p- pedastry and all these other practices in the Roman Empire. So, like, seeing a picture of two men in a relationship that was mutual and was caring and loving, that's a good thing. W- whether yeah. they were or not, it, I don't feel like that is a secondary thing. Because mm. art and literature take on new meanings over time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I completely agree. I think that as I think this is this story is really inspirational because it's not like, well, okay. I guess only speaking for myself as you know, being typically the only black like woman, quote unquote, in the room. My ex my experience being being in church, it's probably not super. It's probably not super reflective of everyone else's and my being straight. But I still think that like, yeah, this is just in terms of friendship, like I don't really, I don't feel like women are really taught real in not taught, but like encouraged to be intimate either with emotionally with anyone other than your husband and Jesus, the third guy in the relationship. But yeah. Then you, then you get to know the fourth guy. Oh boy. Yeah. Foursome. <laughs> Woo. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot of communication. Yeah, I'm just going to say that. Yeah. And I, I think that, yeah, I, I do. I find that interesting that, you know, intimacy with other people other than your spouse is frowned upon. Yeah, and, such a good and, point. And it is structurally, you know, our society is structured in such a way that intimacy with people that aren't your spouse or your close family is difficult. And, and, you know, you, cultures that come into our country that have different family structures are typically like looked at as less than or something. And yeah, I, I find that interesting because you have all these ministries built around like women's ministries and men's ministries trying to, to get people together. But mm. the, the undercurrent it's of so the theology is that you so don't get too level. close. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's all kind of like, this is how it, it's like playing a part, you know, mm-hmm. like this is how we're just taught to behave in these spaces because queerness is bad, 
right? That's like their conclusion. And it's like, I think, oh my gosh, I was talking to um, Brandy Miller about this, but there's this very minimal amount of, of intimacy in the church, like kind of at all. And like trying to create spaces, one where people feel safe to be honest, right. And with, you know, about what's going on. And this is like, I have this like hard left turn in my head all of a sudden. Yeah. I I mean, like this is, we have this construct in the Bible, right. Of this hierarchy and Jesus is at the top. Right. And so the further away from Jesus, you get like the closer you get to femininity essentially. Right. And so that's further from God. So there's this idea of like queer men being feminine. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's like, well, this, this moves you further from God than you would be, than you would be if you had a wife, because you can be, you can still be the, the head, the leader. If you have a wife, it's too like guys who's in, I was going to say who's in charge, but like, it's like, which one, which one's the dude, right? Like, yeah. Like, yeah. There always has to be a dude. There always has right. to be, you know, and I get masculine and feminine energies balancing each other out in a relationship. However, regardless of the anatomy yeah. of the people, I can, I get that. But there's also a part of me that's like, yeah, there's this like Jesus masculine and then husband masculine. So you get a double dose of masculine. <laughs> one's not enough and then the wife underneath and the the wife gets out of that you know and that and that's the yeah so like it it does it you know we've talked about discouraging relationships with men but uh, yeah women are discouraged from going out because oh if you go out and you talk to dolores or whoever you're out from underneath your husband's heads or protection oh you know like and so if you start going to your girlfriends for things that that you know, you should be going to your husband yeah. for. Yeah. And oh my gosh. And I do think like even just Western ideas of marriage that your spouse is going to be a hundred percent everything for you always for you. in yes. every way. That's not, that's not fair to you or your spouse. Uh-huh. That's just like, <laughs> I was, I'm going to throw that out there, but it, you're so isolated. The, that's the only person you have. Yeah. And, and they wonder why these marriages fall apart. And it's not even that two people weren't compatible, but this the pressure to be everything to someone is that's too much. That's too much. You can't do that. Like, I mean, David had several, a few wives and Jonathan and, <laughs> all, of his other, and, Jonathan. and, and all of his merry men. Um, <laughs> so, yes, yes, he did. So, it, you know, these, you know, relationships that we have. Yeah, I feel like the church, and I say the church, I mean the American evangelical church. Yeah, it, it it discourages and it kind of creates this atomized, you know, family structure where you're like alone together. Yeah, absolutely. Is it okay if we like wrap this up? <laughs> oh, it's fine. I'm fine with that. Uh, so we'll do um, casting. Um, mm. Who would you, you cast as David and Jonathan and these troubled times? I would do, I don't know, Jonathan Majors. I like him. They have the same name. <laughs> you could do that. Yeah, you could do that. <laughs> I, 
I, for some reason, in my casting, I went with men that were older. Not old, oh. not old, but men in like their 30s. I like this. Yeah. Um, I thought Tom Hardy for David. Okay. Oh. And Lee Pace for Jonathan. Okay. So I don't know. I just like, you know, because Tom Hardy, kind of the like more rough and tumble type actor. Yeah. And Lee Pace is this very like regal, like um, very, I don't know, like kingly kind of personality. Uh, uh-huh. So like, even just seeing those energies on screen, I would enjoy. Um, and they're, they're they're very attractive men too. So true. You know, yeah. Depending yes. on what kind of movie this is, it would be enjoyable to watch. <laughs> I don't know that I have I someone it. for King Saul other than like you know Anthony Hopkins because I think he oh yeah crazy old king perfectly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I know it's a lot of white like people in a Middle Eastern story, but yeah, you know this is Hollywood. So truly. Yeah. <laughs> So, all right. So, yeah, that's David and Jonathan, the greatest couple in the Bible, the greatest friends or the greatest lovers, and maybe both. There you go. We'll never know. But it doesn't matter because it probably didn't happen. So, oh, so right. sad. Um, so where can people find you, Tori? I am on Twitter and Instagram, almost at Facebook again for some reason, at Tori Glass. And my website is ToriGlass.com. So, yeah, that's where I'm at. And I'm Justin Gentry. You can find me at Justin D. Gentry on Twitter. And I'm also on the Instagrams as well. And this podcast is uh, Go Home Bible. You're drunk. Find us on the Twitters, Go Home Bible. And Patreon, Go Home Bible. Or patreon.com slash Go Home Bible. Have a lovely week, everyone. And if you have a significant other, enjoy this corporate holiday. (laughs) And if you don't, it's a corporate holiday. Don't let it bother you. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just have a delightful week. Mm, Bye.